0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a good, loving Heavenly Father. Thank you that you do give us richly all things to enjoy. That's a blessing. So we thank you for the things that we enjoy in our life now. Thank you for what you've done. Tonight, Father, as we open your word, we just ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to to illuminate, to show us things, to give us greater insight greater understanding, greater wisdom. Thank you, Father, for your anointing that breaks bondages and yokes off of our lives. We're grateful for that. Thank you for giving me words to speak that bring help and health and life. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise for this. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Thessalonians, Paul, 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul is writing to the church that's, yeah, you can go ahead. <laughs> Don't, you're going to get jumpy on me, aren't you? No, this is good. And it said, and we sent Timothy, our brother. He said, we wanted to know how you're doing. And we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. That when As I was reading that, that word shaken stood out to me. So I want to do a series, and this one will probably carry us through the end of this year. But it, it's called unshakable. How do we get to be unshakable? And what Paul said was, he said, we sent Timothy to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. And so I want to talk about reasons that growing in your faith matters and makes a difference. I've heard people say things like, well, the the faith movement has passed away. And I understand what they're saying. If if you look back in church history, especially recent church history, it, it seems as if God moves in in almost, you could call them waves. In the early 1900s, about 1903, 1906 or so, there was a wave that, that came actually into California. It was called the Azusa Street Revival. And the Azusa Street Revival reintroduced the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the United States. And... Boy, it, it was a revival that it, went, it lasted. I mean, they were having services every night. And people were getting filled with the Spirit. And The phenomena of speaking with other tongues was then introduced. Actually, hardly anyone had ever seen it at that time. And it started and actually birthed many of the Pentecostal ministries and, and denominations that are still going today. Uh, Assemblies of God. Uh, the church, uh, church of God, Pentecost, there's a bunch of them. It started those. That lasted for a while, and then you saw another wave that came in in the 40s and uh, right after the close of World War II, and that was the uh, healing revival. This, was the, this is where Oral Roberts became very famous and where you saw the tents. The tents would get set up. And people would have healing services, and it was a, it was a a really a wave of healing. One, one minister said, talking about said during that time, he said it just seemed like it was the easiest thing in the world to get people healed. Healing was in the air. So that was that was a wave. In the '60s and '70s, there was what was called the Charismatic Revival. One of the things about these waves and, and moves of God is they seem to sweep over all kinds of people. They're not limited. And people come from all walks of life. The charismatic revival drew people out of many of the the denominations, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist. And this is what really birthed a lot of the independent charismatic churches. Again, it was a move of people getting filled with the spirit. In the 70s and 80s, you had another wave where teaching And people begin to teach, and they begin to teach the authority of God's Word. This is where you hear terms like the Word of Faith movement begin to to move in. Now, people say, well, you know what? When the wave has gone out, then God's doing something new. Yes and no. There may be another another emphasis, but here's the thing. When the the healing revival came on on the heels of Pentecost you didn't stop seeing people get filled with the Spirit. So what happens is when God emphasizes something, we're supposed to build on it, not abandon it. Amen. And so the idea, when and, and I came, Joy and I came in in the early 80s, and we were part of that Word of Faith teaching, and it was, uh, man, there was just a, a lot of excitement. People would have seminars and they would they would do seminar i mean Lakewood we had them they would do meetings 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 you know we, we have one a year where, where keith moore comes on a tuesday wednesday and everyone's like whoa two nights out of the week some of you some of you can remember when when they would go for a whole week and then and some people had had revivals that went four weeks every night that's where people got tired of children's church but a lot of times, children's church, children's church and some of those were, there was no children's church. The kids were in there. And so, but, he, but the idea is this. When someone says, that's passed away, it hasn't passed away. And I'm going to show you from the scriptures where, uh, and, and what happens is a lot of times people just abandon stuff. They just go, well, it's not important. You know, God's not doing anything about faith now. It's like, no. No, he never has stopped <coughs> And so tonight I'm, I'm going to give you, we, won't, we probably won't get to all eight, I'm going to give you eight reasons from the scriptures why you want to study, and why you want to develop in faith. So you ready for this? Yes. Say, well, is it important? It's real important. It is real important. And here's the very first, well, let me, let me give you the, a definition first. Let's, let's take a look at it. Definition: Eight reasons our faith is important. Faith, Hebrews 11:1. This is out of the New King James. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's another translation. I believe it might have been the Amplified. There's another translation. I've had it written down in my Bible. I've loved it for years. Faith, acts, to me, it's clear clear. This faith is being confident of what we expect, convinced of what we do not see. Confident of what we expect, convinced of what we do not see. Now, just kind of hold that one in your thoughts. Hold that and maybe maybe next week I'll have them just kind of put it up there and leave it up there because it's good for us to just remember that basic. Here's, here's, the first reason that, that, here's the first reason you want to pay attention to your faith. Because it's impossible to please God without it. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For those of you who, who know you've come to God, how many of you had to be good enough? How many of you earned your way in? How many of you, maybe you dislike. You, you've heard people say this, I tell you what, tell you what, preacher, man, I'm, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to quit drinking, and uh, quit running around, and I'm going to come to church. Like, no, come now, Amen. give your heart to God now, that stuff will leave you, yes. but the idea is, you didn't earn your way in, true. By grace, you were saved. Through faith, right? Yes. We didn't earn our way in. We didn't now the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Ever heard people say this? Well, prove to me there's a God. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna work that way. You have to believe that he is, you have to believe that he's real. I've never seen him. Most people I know have not seen him. I've never had a vision of Jesus. I've never had a vision. I've never had a vision of going to heaven. I know people have. I have not, but I believe he's real. Right. And, I, and because I believe he's real, I believe he exists. I believe he's real. And because I believe he's real, that means I'm able to come to him. I'm not waiting. He doesn't listen, God doesn't have to prove anything to us. He doesn't have to meet our standards. People say, "Well, prove, prove, to me that God." God is not obligated to prove anything. He does say, "If you'll come to me, if you believe that I exist, then you're going to see Him revealed in your life." So you didn't earn your way in. I didn't earn my way in. We believed that God was real and we reached out to Him. Here's the thing: faith is really how we. This is how this whole thing starts. If you can believe Genesis one one, the rest of this is easy. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you believe that, then you're not going to have any problem with miracles. we got a God that created the heavens and the earth, and the universe is still expanding and still growing. And we we got, we got a God. People say, I believe there was a big bang. There might have been a big bang when God said, let there be light. I don't know, but listen, it happened. So, "Well, Was it 6,000 years ago or 6 billion? I don't care. I wasn't there. I'm here now. But... I believe that he was the one that did it. I do not believe that this happened randomly. I believe God is real. I believe he exists. I believe he's more real than the air I breathe than the car I drive and the land I walk on. And because I believe he's real, it's, I'm able to come to him. But there's another thing we got to believe. He's not just real. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That means, that means he's good. Now, so you, me, none of us said, Lord, I've really been good. You you need to do something about saving me. It it, It didn't work that way. We believe, we take the step of believing to come to the place of knowing. I'm convinced of what I can't see. And I'm convinced he's real. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I want to be able to please God. And we're going to see that our faith is actually weaved all through all through the Bible. That's why when people say faith has passed away, I'm like, is pleasing God passed away? I don't think so. How about getting saved? Is that passed away? No. By grace are you saved through faith. So it's important. It's important that we please God with it. Here's the second one. And these are, that one is the first one. The rest of these, maybe not... Any particular order I mean one of them number four But this is number two I just took them, took them randomly Faith protects us from Satan's attacks Ephesians 6.16 Above all Taking the shield of faith With which you will be able to quench All the fiery darts of the wicked one This is, a, this is just a little snippet of Ephesians 6 which talks about the armor of God and the armor of God we don't need armor unless we're in a battle and it says we're not wrestling with flesh and blood oh I wish we'd get that we're not wrestling with flesh and blood this is a spiritual battle we're involved in we need spiritual armor and the Bible said that we can take the shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one do you realize the enemy sends fiery darts your way now you can't see them, but they're real. You ever ever just been ever just been minding your own business and all of a sudden you just feel like you feel awful. And you just feel like somebody just threw a dark cloud on you. And you or, or thoughts begin to attack your mind. Or maybe you deal with, with, with a, a physical thing. All of a sudden you're just, you're not doing well at all, and you can sense, man, this is this is an attack. Well, the Bible said the shield of faith can quench attacks. I went through a period of time, one time in my, in my life where uh, when Joy and I were first married, I was very depressed. I got depressed. I didn't realize it. I never really knew what being depressed was. In fact, I, when I look back, I look, my whole family was depressed but, um, and dealt with it a lot. And so here I am, I'm, I'm dealing with depression, wasn't making any money. Joy, Joy, job had, 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 had laid her off. She said, I did not get fired. Okay, Joy left her job, and and um, she actually she actually stood up for some residents in a special needs home that were being sexually abused, and they they found another they they relieved her of her duties, and so she was relieved of duties because of her righteous stance, um, and so she, she uh, yeah. I agree. You ought to give her a bigger hand clap for staying married to me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's the miracle right there. Without without faith, Joy would have never stayed with me. But I, I remember we, we, I was just so depressed. I wasn't making money. We were we're just and and Joy is pregnant with Matthew. So we got a baby coming. We don't have insurance. I'm not making money. I'm depressed. And I remember going to a uh, a service one night, and it was it was one of those week long seminars. And uh, they were the speaker stood up and said, I, "I just feel like we need to praise God more." And I remember as soon as he said that, I went, "Oh great!" <laughs> I didn't want to praise God. I wanted to sit down and I wanted to just to hear the message. I was not in the mood to praise God. And I, I know that's never happened to any of you guys, but I just. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes it takes something just to, get, just to get going. You know, the best thing to do is, is, is just fight past the feeling and just praise God anyway. And, uh, and you can do that by faith. No feelings. And I was, and so he we, was we sitting there and he, we praised for a while longer. And he finally stopped. He said, you know, he said, he said the Holy Spirit just ministered this to me. He said, he said, if you have been dealing with depression, he said, I need you to run down here. Don't walk, run down here and God's going to set you free. I didn't move. I stayed right there, but I wish you could have seen the look on Joy's face. When I looked over her, she'd been living with a depressed person for a long time. She looked at me like, what the heck are you doing here? She she finally said, are you going to go? And I really wasn't, because I don't run. I don't run in church. (laughs) I was 22 years old and just way too cool to to run in church. But the direction was to run. And I remember I I started walking and then I thought, he said run. And that was an act of faith. I took about three three jogging steps. I just kind of went... It was not a sprint. <laughs> but it was a run, and it, it was a step of faith. And I, 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 I still remember it to this day, I felt like someone just, just threw something over the top of me, and that depression just lifted straight off. That's good news. Here's more good news. Astros won nine to one. Yeah. That was way too much excitement, guys, about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It protects us from Satan's attack, acts, acts of faith, and, and beginning to, to in, fact, in fact, I tell people that, especially, Alan, I, I, I just have been dealing with, with really this oppressive thoughts, dark thoughts, things that have come. And I'm, and I'm saying it's, what do you have to stand against that? So what do you mean? So if the shield of faith is able to quench that, then you need something to stand that you can say, you know what? I am standing on whom the son has set free is free indeed. Or I am, I'm going to stand on the fact that the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And that means that I I don't have to, to yield to this and that I can resist the enemy I can submit myself to God, I can resist the enemy, and he will flee from me. And so the idea that you have to be bombarded by the enemy, that you have to be bombarded with depression, with oppression, with fearful thoughts, with plaguing thoughts, with things that attack you, with things that attack your physical body, the idea that you have to be bombarded with that and you're a helpless victim is wrong. Taking up the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So that's, the, that's number two. Number three. It keeps us steady. Paul sent uh, Timothy to help the church in Thessalonica. We read, the, read this as our text verse. He said, I sent them to encourage you and to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken. See, if we're, if we're confident of what we expect, if we're convinced of what we don't see, and we get stronger in that, confident, I'm expecting something good. I don't, I don't see answers, but I'm expecting, I'm convinced that God's helping. I'm convinced he's heard my prayer. What that does is it keeps me from being shaken, moved. And here, here's some words for, for, for shaken. It's uh, moved, disturbed, unsettled, unnerved, caused to break down. When you believe that God's helping you, when you believe that he heard your prayer when you believe the answers are coming you're not as moved you're not as unnerved you're not as shaken does that make sense i was um, in north carolina years ago and uh, following uh, duke basketball in north carolina there's two teams you can pull for duke or north carolina and i was a duke fan coach k fan and they were playing it was one of the it was one of the playoff at final four or something and I I talked to a friend and I was taping the game that's back when when VCR's remember that it's like this was novel we're going to tape the game like whoa I actually was in church that night and we were taping the game and uh, he looked at me and somehow I'm, I'm sorry the game had happened I hadn't watched it yet on tape and he told me the outcome He said Duke wins I said Thank you so much for t- just telling me that He said no man it's a great game Duke Duke wins Okay So I sit down to watch the game At the beginning of the game Duke is getting stomped And then you start to think Did he tell me the truth but I know this guy. He's a Duke fan. He's not a Carolina fan. He's a Duke fan. So he's not going to lie to me. So even though it's not looking good, I already know what's going to happen. So I stay calm during this whole thing. I'm one of those fans that I help the team. I know none of you have never done that, but I, I used to help... The Texans, I cannot help them anymore. I, can't, I, I cannot help them, but I help, I help teams and I, I talk to them. I give them advice. I help them. I, I am into it and I'm watching this game and Duke is getting stomped and I'm starting to wonder, did my friend tell me the truth? But then I remember I got a friend He's a faithful, he's a basketball fan. He would not lie to me. And sure enough, at the very end, Duke pulled it out. But I kept watching and I was real calm and real cool. I wasn't going nuts. I wasn't screaming at the television because I knew how it was going to end. I wasn't moved. I wasn't disturbed. I wasn't unnerved. I wasn't caused to break. Because I believed, I I, I knew, I believed what my friend told me. Can you see where I'm going with this? When you believe what God tells you, when you believe what you have in your heart, when things go bad and the game doesn't look good, instead of freaking out, instead of still going, what in the world is going to happen? You stay solid because you're like, I know what's going to happen at the end of this. I know how this game turns out. We win in the end. This is how it's going to work. And man, it just keeps you steady. And some of you know this. Some of you, have, some of you have said, you know what, if I'd have been through this situation that I just went through, if I'd have done, if I'd have done this five years ago, I'd, 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 I don't know what I would have done. I, I, was, I was telling people on um, uh, Sunday that I just buried my mom. That's one of the reasons I was out. And just buried my mom. She was 86. She was so ready to go home. In fact, I was praying that she would, just would. Because yes. she's lying in a bed with nothing to do, in pain, and they got her own meds. And my prayer was, Lord, let her come home. Yes. And to think about it is she, she, she went on home, I got the news, I wasn't shaking about it, I didn't freak out about it. I, I, was, I was really fine until my sister played some song at the funeral. <laughs> it's like, Leslie, thank you so much for that song know anyone, anyone ever heard the song "Scars in Heaven?" Yes. I'd never heard it before. That was my first time. Mercy. But there's no scars on, on, except on the hands that are holding you. Oh I was doing great until then. I'm like, oh my, That started the waterworks. But they're not waterworks of being moved because afterwards we sat around, and talked about my mom, how good she was, how she loved the Lord, how she prayed for us, and we went and ate lunch. No wailing, no, no grieving, no crying because we know where she is. And when you know where they are, I'm telling you, being at a believer's funeral versus being at an unbeliever's funeral, there is a world of difference because we're not shaken. We know. We're convinced of what we have not seen. And we're confident of what we expect. It keeps us from being shaken. That's three good reasons right there. It's how we start our life with God. Romans 10, 8 through 10. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how we're saved. That's how we start our life. with God. We don't earn it. We don't work our way for it. We don't give stuff up. We believe it. Now, here's another thing. Jesus does not have to do anything special for us. It's already done. Now, as I was, as I was writing this, this thought came, and here's just the thought for people who are praying, Lord, please save my please save my loved ones. And that's a common prayer. Lord, please save my son or daughter. Please save my grandkids. Please save my brother. I, I need you to hear what I'm saying. I understand what you're talking about. They need to come to the Lord, but the Lord has already provided salvation for them. Amen. So the Lord doesn't have to do anything to save them. What they need is is to be able to hear and to receive the fact that their sins have already been paid for, that Jesus has already risen from the dead, and all they have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you're you're risen from the dead. I confess you as my Lord. How many know Jesus does not have to come down and die again, right? It's done. He doesn't have to do anything. Now, if you're praying for lost loved ones, here's the way to pray for lost loved ones. One of the ways is, Lord, send someone across their path that they will listen to. Send a laborer across their path. Send someone that they will listen to. My mother told me about her father who left her when she was, oh gosh, young. Columbus, Georgia. He was a, he, man, he was a player. And left, left my, my grandmother as a single mom, four kids. And, uh, and so my mom, remember growing up tough, and she didn't have good thoughts about about her dad. He would pop in, pop out, but he, he wasn't around. I remember meeting him one time. And uh, one time I met him, and he, he reached in his pocket and tried to hand me a dollar, and I wouldn't take it. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but I wouldn't take it. I I, I didn't I, I I didn't know who he was, and I was at the age where you didn't take money from strangers. If you'd like to try that with me now, just go ahead. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, it, they had no good relationship. He was a player. He was bad news. But they prayed that somebody would, would, would listen. Somebody would talk to him. Somebody would come across his path. So he gets sick. He has a, he has a, a problem with his stomach. And the only thing that worked on his stomach was goat's milk don't bring me goat's milk. <laughs> but it worked for him. And so he was looking to try to find, he didn't have a goat, so he was trying to find some goat's milk. And so he found a source of goat's milk, a retired Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> Sold him goat's milk and shared the gospel with him. And my player, rounder, scoundrel grandfather before he died made Jesus his Lord I believe that there is so I'm sure mom saw him in heaven and saw us forgiven but I believe that there's someone that your child your grandchild your loved one will listen to and so the prayers, is, Lord, send laborers across their path. Remember, Jesus said, the harvest is white, the laborers are few. Ask the Lord to send laborers into the harvest. So here's the key. Pray for laborers and be willing to be one. Where'd you go? <laughs> be willing just to share. You don't have to buttonhole somebody, but just share what the Lord's done. And be willing to share. But we're not praying for Jesus to save them. We're praying that they would see it. The, the, word, the, the word of faith says, "We don't have to pray. Jesus come down, Jesus, come up. It's already been done. All we have to do is say, "I believe it, and I confess that with my mouth." And that's how we're saved. That's how we start this relationship with God. It didn't, I started walking across a field in Carbondale, Illinois on June 6, 1978. I bowed my head and said, I'm just walking across the field. I said, Jesus, here, I believe you're my Lord and Savior. That's when I was born again. I came back to, I went away from him and came back later. And thank God he he took me back and he'll take you back and he'll take all your relatives back and he'll take your loved ones back. He is merciful. He is so kind and merciful. And so let's pray for laborers. Don't pray that God saves them. Does that make sense? Does that help anybody when you're praying? Pray, Lord, thank you for sending someone across their path that they'll listen to You know, that's what this church has been for so many. It's been a place where some people will come and they'll listen. And maybe you've been trying to reach them. And I don't know what it is about family, but it's so hard for family to reach family. Because they're looking at you going, oh, I remember you. I changed your diaper when you were little. Or I remember you. We used to run run wild together. I remember you. But that's okay. There's somebody they'll listen to. And so we can pray that way. So we start our life with God. There's eight and I gave you four. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith enables us to quench the spiritual attacks that the enemy sets up against us. Faith keeps us from being so moved and shaken by all the stuff that goes on in our life. And faith is how we start this relationship with God. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Because I'm talking about faith. Maybe you're sitting there listening to me or you're watching online. And you're thinking, you know, I don't know that I've ever done that. I don't know that I've ever confessed Jesus as my Lord. I I believe him. I believe he's real. But I've never made that step. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. Or maybe you're here and and you've done that. You're like I was. And you know in your heart, I have gotten so far away from God. But I'm sitting here tonight or I'm watching... I'm watching online, and something is drawing me because I, I want to have that relationship with him. Well, he wants a relationship with you. So we're going to say a prayer here. We're not going to ha- ask people to stand up or come to the front. And if you're watching online, you can, you can say this prayer with us. I am going to ask you this. If that's you that I'm talking to in here tonight, and you say, Alan, that's me, and uh, I want to make sure I have that relationship with the Lord, would you, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just across the auditorium and say, thank you, thank you, gotcha. You. Anybody else? Thanks. You can put your hands down, we're gonna pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand you wanted to, here's your, here's your opportunity to say this prayer. Remember, it's, it's believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. If you're watching online, if you, you can pray this, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly, but we're gonna pray it with you. Say, dear God. Amen. I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have, I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. I creation in Christ. Because I said yes to you. Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer. For those in here, for those who are watching online, Lord, we thank you that they have stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light. And for those who have come back home, we rejoice with them. And we recognize this is not just for this age. This makes a difference in the ages to come. What a blessing that is. We give you all the praise for that. Thank you that Jesus paid the price and all we had to do was receive. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.